What is up, Fathom fam? We're so glad you're here. Our church vision for 2021 is that we would be a body growing stronger and listening to this weekly sermon podcast, actively applying what God is teaching you as you walk with Him, rest in His power, and invest in the relationships that bring Him glory is a great start. Remember, you can always check us out online at fathom.church or find us on the Church Center app, YouTube, or Instagram. Find our Fathom Church page on Facebook and make sure to also request to join our Fathom Family Facebook group to keep up with everything happening at Fathom. Lastly, we just want to remind everyone about our Fathom Beyond Sunday podcast. Hop on over there, listen in to some really great conversations applying Sunday's sermon to faith, life, and following Jesus between Monday and Saturday, not just on Sunday. We hope to see you there, but for now, we're going to jump right into the message. Happy Sunday, everybody online and uh, here in person. Hey, can we show some love? Uh, to my family and some other folks that are at home today. It was cool this past um, this past uh, Wednesday. How many of you guys have been enjoying core nights, whether you're online or in person? Y'all been enjoying that? Been good stuff. Um, uh, this past week, I ended up uh, hosting our online group, and it was so cool to just be able to connect with some of those who have been worshiping online uh, through this pandemic season. And uh, we're, we're so thankful, you're, whether you're here or online, that we're we're doing life together, and that's what uh, this is all about, is, is walking with the Lord. I'm excited to dive into the text today. It's kind of funny. Um, I picked such a stupid name for this series, uh, called it The Goat. Yeah, somebody's like, yeah, that is a stupid name. But it's been, I guess a rose by any other name uh, is just as sweet because God's been speaking and moving as, after services uh, throughout the week. God's, uh, I've been hearing from people just how God's moving on their heart, how He's speaking to them through this series already, and, uh, and I know that God has a word for us today uh, out of the scriptures, and so I don't really, I don't want to hesitate. I, I really just want to dive into the scriptures and let God speak to us today. Uh, if you've been with us, we, we started in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, and that's really where the inspiration for this title, the, the greatest of all, of all uh, is love, you know, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is, is love. That's where this comes from. And, and I really challenged us at the beginning of the series to once a week, once a week to go to 1 Corinthians 13 and just read that passage. Read that passage and just let God speak to you just fresh and anew. And I've been getting messages and texts every once in a while and just what that's, that's done uh, for us. But uh, we looked at 1 John 4 last week. We looked at the incredible story of Jacob and how God was just faithful through his mess um, anybody found God to be faithful through their mess, right? Um, so thankful for his love. But today I want to turn uh, to John chapter 13. We're going to read about 15 verses together. And uh, you, G- Jesus had taught his disciples many parables in his ministry. But as it comes towards uh, the end and the time for him to be crucified, this time he's, he's not going to teach them a parable. This time he's going to, he's going to act out a parable. He's going to live the parable in their midst. Uh, let's read together. Uh, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that, that his hour had come to depart of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Come on, he'll, he'll love you to the end. He loved them to the cross. Uh, During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, 
knowing that he had given everything into his hands. Just think about that in your own situation right now. Jesus has authority over everything. There's not one thing in your life that he does not have authority over. There's not one area of your life that he can't conquer and overcome. There's not one mountain he can't move. God had given him everything and that he had come from God and was going back to God. So what did Jesus do with this incredible authority, his power? He rose from supper and he, he laid aside his outer garments and he taken a towel, he tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, you, you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing, you don't understand now, but afterward, you'll understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet, Jesus answered him. If I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head too. And Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And and you're clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was going, that who was to betray him and was why he said, not all of you are clean. And when he washed their feet and put on his, his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Let's stop right there. I'm thankful for God's word. I'm thankful for Jesus living out this picture of of the parable, you know, of his life and him giving his life on a sacrifice. There's so many implications and and theological implications to what this is, but I I just want you to stop back, just take a step back for just a second and just realize the beauty of this picture. Because Jesus is the fullness of God. He's the fullness of God in the earth. He's the most clear, crystal clear picture that we'll ever get. And so this is why we, we pattern our, our, our lives after, after him. But if, if he's the clear picture of God, how does that mean we need to adjust our picture of God today? How, how do you view God? Do you view it like God getting up from the table and taking the place to wash our feet to make us clean? There's so much in this text that I'm looking forward to just unpacking with us today. I, I was, uh, came across this quote out of C.S. Lewis. Some people love C.S. Lewis. Some people don't care for him as much. Um, but I came across this quote that I think will kind of set the tone for what I believe God wants to speak today. It says this, man's love for, for God must always, it's kind of a long quote. It's kind of like a long run-on sentence, run sentence here. Uh, man's love for God must always be very largely and most often entirely a need love, like a, we, we need his love. This is obvious when we implore God for, for sins, uh, forgiveness for sins or support in our tribulations, but in the long run, it is perhaps even more apparent in our growing. For it, it ought to be growing awareness that our whole being, by its very nature, is one vast need, incomplete, preparatory, Empty yet cluttered, crying out for him who can 
untie things that are knotted and tie up things that are still dangling loose. Anybody feel like they got some things dangling loose in their life? Any, anybody feel like over the course of years realized, oh, I got some things that are knotted up over the past year that are just kind of there? I think often we don't want to admit that our lives, that we're actually just one big needy mess. That our entire lives, our entire existence is just, we're just needy as can be. That's the title of this message. We're needy as can be. I think we do everything we can to present ourselves in such a way in which we don't need anyone, but the reality is our entire existence is really one big need, and it's in that growing that we come to understand how much we need God. I think that's what's at the heart of this text that Jesus um, wants us to understand today. Uh, early on in the shutdown uh, around here in the pandemic, I decided to open up a little side business at my home. Um, it's called Kyle's Cuts. Figured that kind of flowed off the lips. Uh, we do your yard. Um, we'll cut your hair and we'll also cut your, your nails. So it was hair. So it was yard, uh, hair, and, and toes. Like we'll do your toenails. Uh, it's not open to the public, it's only to my family. Uh, Taryn has not taken me up on the offer to cut her hair uh, or to touch her nails. Um, but it's mainly just for my kids, so don't ask. It's a, it's a private business. <laughs> um, and uh, oftentimes our, our kids will recognize that, that they need their nails clipped, and they'll be like, I need to make an appointment at Kyle's Cuts. And, uh, but most often how it actually happens is mom and dad walk around and be like, your toes look nasty. We're making you an emergency appointment in the Kyle's Cuts. And this is uh, a little way that's kind of helping me stop biting my nails. Anybody else has got a bad habit of biting your nails? I've had that forever. So being better at using clippers for it. I feel so sophisticated now using <laughs> clippers on my nails. But um, this recognition of my kids' dirty toenails, uh, teaching them something about cleanliness. But I can only imagine these men who sat around the Passover table with Jesus with their nasty desert toes. See, what Jesus did was not normal. Yeah, you just imagine desert toes, right? You just, some grody, grody like little Frodo toes. Um. <laughs> See, that, that clicked for you. That clicked for you. Um, yeah, and I, I, we just imagine this scenario for Jesus. What, what Jesus does is so absolutely unheard of. It, it wouldn't even be common in Jesus' culture for the disciples to watch Jesus' feet. Like that would have actually been kind of ridiculous in their culture. Like why would the disciples wash the teacher's feet? They're there to learn from him. Um, that, that, that role to wash guests' feet was not for disciples. And it was certainly not. There was, it was unthinkable that the teacher, the master, the Lord, that his, he would be the one to wash feet. It was unthinkable. It's the role of not just the servant, but it's of the lowest servant of the house is who would be asked to wash the feet. And there's so much going on here that I just want to kind of unpack it with uh, talking about our needs, talking about our neediness. And I I want to start with the first need is, which is our need to be washed. And my kids are very happy to just move along with their grubby little toenails Dirty as they can be, not realizing that, that there actually is a problem there that needs to be, to be cleaned up. And, 
And likewise, like even when we shower in the morning, I don't know how you start your day if you shower at the end of the day. I, I, I have to shower at the beginning of the day just to wake myself up. And I got to hop in the shower. But even as I step out of the shower and begin to walk in my day, I'm immediately dirty as I touch the first dirt door handle. I'm immediately d- dirty and even things I thought I cleaned up, I've got a little paint here and I got a little dirt here. I, I missed a spot. And so even when we think we're clean, we're not clean. And in this story, we, we, we see clearly that Jesus is the, the, the main focal point of the story. But there's this another couple of people in the story that I want to highlight and help us explore of, of who we are in the story and the call that to be more like Jesus. Because there's clearly Peter. Jesus has a back and forth with Peter. But there's this other character, there's this other person that's kind of behind the scenes that's going on too, that we also need to compare ourselves to, and that's that of Judas. So Judas, Peter, and and Jesus, these three examples. And Peter is, I want to explore him for a minute, and then begin to explore Judas, because I know you're all going to be like, well, I'm definitely not Judas. (laughs) Because we know he betrayed Jesus. But we might find ourselves far more like Judas than we are like Peter or Jesus today. But the reality is that we all need to be washed. You know, Peter struggled with this idea to, to, to be washed uh, by Jesus. He, he, kind of, he kind of expressed it in two different extreme ways that I actually see are quite frequent in the body of Christ. The first is he, where he pushes away. He denies God's service to him. He said, you shall never, like there's no way, Jesus, that I'm letting you do this. I, I hear this all the time too, and, and really what, what's at this is it's kind of like a humble pride. I think after we really begin to recognize that there's pride in our life, we begin to kind of crucify the flesh, begin to serve others, we begin to think more about others. But then after a while, we get selfish again. We just kind of go back to, thinking of, of ourselves, and, and, and even then we, we want to still present ourselves as humble, yet really we're, we're prideful. We don't even recognize it. Sometimes it's people who love to serve others. Maybe you've got somebody like that in your house or in your small group on your team. They love to serve others, but as soon as someone's trying to serve them, he, they say, no, no, you shall, no, like, no way. You're not going to fold my laundry. You're not going to buy me coffee. You're not going to fill in the blank. I think far more than what we realize, we deny God's service to us that's actually coming through other people. Because the body of Christ is the hands and feet, the, the body of Christ, right? So we don't even realize it, but we've got this humble pride in which we can't be served. And what a gift it is. It's humbling to us, and we, we need this. You see, Jesus is teaching something deeper than the physical act of washing as he takes off his, his outer garment that looked nothing like my outer garment here. Um, and, he, and he takes a towel, and he takes on this physical posture. I'm a little concerned this won't reach around my waist. Okay, good. So I was like, I, I should have gotten a beach towel. Like, <laughs> um, he wraps so often. Yeah, he wraps it around his his waist and, and he kneels to the ground and he uses this water and begins to to pour it over their feet and to wash. Some of you are getting nervous that I'm going to lead you to wash each other's feet today. Don't worry, just take a deep breath. 
not going to do that today. Um, but there's this need to be washed not only in our physical bodies, but also in our, our spirit. And I think Jesus is communicating more than the physical act of receiving the physical service from him, from others, but he's communicating our, our deep need to be washed spiritually. You see, Peter had done a lot of incredible things and seen of a, a lot of incredible uh, things um, in, in his lifetime. Peter had walked on water, yet he still needed to be washed. Peter had preached many messages, but he still needed to be washed by Jesus in this moment. Peter had seen Jesus transfigured, like in his full glory in that moment, and he still needed to be washed. Jesus never said to him, hey, uh, if you don't have great holiness, you can have no part from me. He, he didn't say, if, if you're not a Bible expert, you can have no part with me. He said, no, no, if I don't wash you, then you can have no part with me. And oftentimes we find ourselves in the same place, denying that which we actually need, the cleansing that we actually need of our soul. Saying, Jesus, no, no, no. Not just through other people, but to our very souls. And we find ourselves where unfulfilled and, and unministered to and uncleansed in the deep parts, the recesses of our heart. And there's this, this unwillingness for, for Peter to, to be humbled in this moment by this. And it's a picture of not receiving God's grace in his life. The, the, but then he take, Peter takes it to an ext, another extreme. He's like, oh, if that's the case, then I want everything. Do my head, do my, do my hands, do, do everything. I want everything. And I find this is the other place. If, if we're not denying God's service to us, then we're dictating God's service to us. Taking control of the matter for ourselves. And, and really, there, there was a, a you know, tradition, it was ritual to, uh, to wash the head, to, to wash the hands as well, particularly for the work of, of a priesthood and, and to be uh, in ministry. And, and so he was kind of going back to some ritualistic stuff. And I find this in the church too, that in receiving God's grace, and we're like, okay, God, I, I want you to receive, I want everything. And so we just get real excited and we kind of try to do everything. And we, we kind of find ourselves in legalism and moralism and trying to do more, do more, do more. And Jesus says, hey, no, what I'm doing for you, like get, get the picture here. Washing, what I wash you with is enough, bro, sis. It's enough. With G no working from here, no going back into legalism, no back, back into ritualistic stuff. It, it, it's not about what you do that makes you clean. It's about what I do that makes you clean. So sometimes we deny God's service to us that's coming through other people, but other times we're trying to dictate God's service to us and we're like, no, no, I'm going to do everything for you, Jesus. And he's like, no, 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 what I'm doing for you, washing your feet, is, it's a spiritual parable. Jesus is living out this parable this time. What a unique moment we have here. He said, no, no, what I'm about, you don't understand this now. You, you don't even get it. And I think oftentimes when someone has served me and I'm, and I'm like, no, no, you shall never, I find myself doing that. It's a moment in which I don't understand why I don't feel deserving of this grace. I don't feel deserving of this service to me at this time. But later I do. 
I know that God's working in my heart. He's meeting my needs and he's stirring something and he's forming something in me that so desperately needs to be formed to be more like him. He's not the only one that needed to be washed. They all needed to be washed. But Jesus says, there's one of you. I don't care if I did wash your feet. Like, you're not, you're not, you're not washed. That you're unclean. And, uh, and that's with Judas. And that's with Judas. There's a, a major issue with Judas. You know, the, the life that Jesus has called us into, if you, you just begin to juxtapose the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the posture of Jesus with that of Judas, it's, it's so starkly different. Because the way of Jesus leads us to life and hope and happiness. The, the, the way of Judas overpromises and underdelivers. See, Jewish, or excuse me, Judas would uh, betray Jesus by getting a little silver, uh, you know, 30 coins of silver, you know, a little something for himself. He would betray Jesus. And so he thought that would maybe fulfill him. Maybe this was his easy way out. This was his best way out. But the way of Judas overpromises and under delivers. The way of Jesus, however, promises and delivers. The way of Judas encourages you to give in to your selfish desires, but leaves you empty and hopeless. The way of Jesus actually encourages us to not give in to our flesh, but to deny our flesh, serve one another. And this actually leads us not to hopelessness, but to hope. There's this great juxtaposition here. And we need to learn of the, the, the example of Jesus. You see, selfishness had been cultivated in Judas's life for some time. And this example that Jesus was giving him and to the disciples was one that we all need to follow too. Not only do we need to be washed in our spirit, and not just in a physical sense. You see, there's nothing that tells us in the text that Judas did not get washed physically. I believe that, that Jesus washed his feet. But Jesus, that, that, that's not what would save him. Going through the physical motions. See, it's possible to sit under Christian teaching and not be a Christian. It's possible to have Christian friends and not be a Christian. It's possible to be kind of washing on the outside, but inside, not all of you are clean. Can we just keep it real? Today, the gathering of believers, the, the church services we hold, not everybody's clean. Just keep it real. Sitting under Christian teaching, attending a Christian church does not make us clean. Going through religious motions doesn't make us clean. Jesus is saying, it's not the physical. One of you is not clean. And some of us still here today, we're going to try to go through the motions, but Jesus wants to speak something deeper to our heart that it's not enough. But what he does for us is enough. We all need to be washed. Because one, one way leads to life and to hope and to happiness, and one way leads to desolation and desperation and hopelessness and selfishness. It's, you see the way of Jesus and the way of Judas. Jesus gives us his example, and we need the example of Jesus. Not only do we need to be washed, we need the example of Jesus in our life. Uh, last night, um, I've been in like lectures all weekend, like 20 hours worth of lectures in my uh, seminary studies, and, and uh, <clears throat> got home, we ate dinner, Terry made a great dinner, just killer uh, meatloaf and mashed potatoes, just good, good stuff. 
And uh, she also made some brownies, like caramel and nuts. Sorry if you're allergic to nuts, but I love them and enjoyed them. And uh, so she made them, and, and after the kids went down, I went in there and got me a couple, got me a glass of milk, and sat down to enjoy them. And, uh, and as I did, I sat down, and she was over there finishing up uh, something she was doing. And, and I saw her get up after I sat down, and it just hit me like, she wants some too. And I, she made him for me. I didn't even think of her. I didn't even ask, hey, babe, do you want me to pour you a glass of milk and make you a couple of brownies? That's the least I could do. But as I sat there convicted, like, well, I could get up now or just see if she even wants them. Like, well, we'll see. If she, if she moves that direction, then she'll get them herself. And I was so convicted, and I confess it to you today and before the Lord knowing that I was being selfish in that moment. I was not thinking of her. And the reality is that for us, for each one of us, selfishness, like for Judas, is not just one drastic, selfish move we make. It's actually, selfishness is actually cultivated every day in our life. And Satan wants to cultivate selfishness in your life because he has one goal in your life, and that's he seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy your life, spiritually and physically. I just he, he the, the scriptures say that he is roar, he's roaming around like a roaring lion looking for who he may devour. And so that little selfishness that I could be like, yeah, that's not a not a big deal, whatever. I bet there's a hundred of those things that happen in my life in your life every single day. Little moments in which I'm actually giving place for Satan to, to cultivate selfishness in my life because you don't just show up and then turn in Jesus for 30, day, 30 coins of silver one day without it being cultivated in your life for years. And so I wonder what's been cultivated in our life for years. Our culture will scream to us, look out for you. Better look out for number one because nobody else is going to. Got to watch your back because nobody else is watching it for you. Hey, that's the message of the culture sins. That is not the gospel. That's not who the body of Christ is is to be. And and the scriptures tell us that he goes before us. He comes behind us. He hymns us before and behind. He is all around us. He sends his angels to encamp around us. Hey, if you're living in that individualistic mindset, God wants to break it in Jesus' name. In the body of Christ, he wants us to, he's pointing to his example that we too We'll pick up a towel. We will show that this is what it means to be leaders in his kingdom. What's actually going on, and I need to, I need to close. What's actually going on behind this, the, the, uh, the scenes here is that the disciples have actually been arguing. If you look to Luke chapter 22, verses 24 through 27, they're arguing back and forth about who's the greatest in the kingdom as they sit down. <laughs> and Jesus doesn't call them out on it. He doesn't correct it. He just shows them the way. He shows them the example of what it looks like as the one who's unthinkably finding the place of the lowest servant in the house. And I know we all want to take the, the best seat. We all want to make sure we're taken care of, but it actually leads to hopelessness and it cultivates something in us that leads us down a road of desperation and hopelessness. And Jesus paints us a very different path, one that is true and that is the way. And I'll tell you, this way is narrow, but it's the only way. It's the way that leads to hope and to life. And if we want hope and life and eternal salvation, we'll we'll not only receive the washing to be clean within, we'll follow the example of Jesus.
Jesus continues on. He says, hey, I've done this, not just for you to see this, but so that you will serve one another. Final need is the band's going to come and help me shut up. Um, is that we need to serve and be served like Jesus. He says in, in verse um, 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. You should do the same thing in the room in which it's unthinkable that you would serve in that way. And so I just begin to imagine this in our lives. Moments in which we've denied God's service to us through other people. An encouraging text or call, a reach out and says, hey, this is the thing, this is the thing, when we, when we moved here, there's so many people who would say, hey, um, uh, let us know if you need anything. And how many times did I need something and get bitter because nobody was helping me? Praying, God, will you just send an answer? I need somebody to show up for me. And all the while, there's a hundred people who said, call me if you need me. It wasn't, it, it was my pride that held me back from many needs being met. And I actually needed that. I needed to be served in that way, in a way I could not do for myself. Um, I've told you kind of my story of coming to Christ in the mission field, like really surrendering my life to Jesus in Mexico. A little town called Leona Vecalio. I can't pronounce it well. Uh, our Spanish-speaking folks could just say it way better than me. It means beautiful. Um, Actually, I can't even remember. I think, is that Beautiful Valley? No, that's, not, that's, that's uh, Valle Hermoso, another place I've been to. Anyway, Leon Vicario. And we were in this little village, and we were just served all week long. It was amazing. These people who, like, they would go out every morning, and they would water their dirt. And my backyard looks like just a bunch of dirt now through the winter, just a bunch of dirt. I can't imagine just going out and just watering my dirt, but they would do that because the dust was a lot. They'd sweep their dirt. If you've ever been a third world country, that's pretty normal. We sweep our dirt. And go out and sweep the patio, you sweep the dirt. I remember walking around, there was a monkey tied up in somebody's front yard, and somebody was so proud of their giant pig. It was the best thing that, you know, it was just like the talk of the town. It was just the, it covered like, this pig was enormous. It was like cute, the biggest pig I've ever seen in my life. It was in their backyard. They were so proud of it. Their monkeys tied up in the front yard, and Pigs, we slept in hammocks for two weeks. I didn't take a shower for two weeks. Talk about desert toes. <laughs> um, at the end of that trip, there's a little girl who had made something for me. And here I've just been just in awe, culture shock as a 15-year-old. And she had made this little bracelet. It was pink and purple and teal and white and just kind of had like the little Mexican design on it. And, uh, and she just gave it to me. And she had made it, and like seeing what little they had, I was just like, I can't take this from you. I can't take you anything. I'm here to give. I'm here to serve. I can't take this from you. And I started to push away, and she, she, she's like 12 years old. She said, no, 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 I, I want you to have this. I want you to have this. As I just slipped that on my wrist, it would be on my wrist for the next like 12 Years, I, don't, I, I didn't do the math before, but it was a long time. I'd have that on my, my wrist. Um, 
And, and I just realized now looking back, like I was pushing away God's love for me, but it was, it was through that gift that every day was just a reminder of what God had done for me and that he, he was serving me through other people and, and what a difference that made in my life. I carried that on my wrist for a long time until I would find myself in an Aboriginal community in South Australia. And I'd had it on my wrist just as a reminder. And now I'm standing before someone who I just I want to tell them, that God loves them, and I love them. And I, it was hard for me. It was so sentimental for me. And I, I literally, I took this off, like literally almost shaking while I'm doing it. And I gave it to this person. They're like, no, I can't, I can't take that. It's yours. That's obviously meaningful. It's yours. I can't take it. And as I did that, I was being a part of what God was doing. Just like that little girl had done to me. That's now passed down and I just pray 10 years later, uh, after that little girl's carried it on her wrist, that she'll do the same thing and pass that tiny little gift that probably means nothing to you, but in the moment with the experience, it meant everything to me. See, we need, we need to be washed. We need the example of Jesus. And we need to be able to serve others and to be served by others like Jesus. She was an example of that. And I just, I just... I want us to ask ourselves a couple of questions today as we close. How does this picture, this picture of Jesus washing the disciples' feet, how, and washing them with his hands and getting to the lowest place, how does that inform your picture of God? How does it inform our picture of what he wants to do on the inside and the calling that we have to live outwardly? to one another in love. God's love leads us to serve. Can you imagine what our families, what our homes, Coker family, can you imagine if Jesse and Bryson and Fred and Marie, everybody, like we all bought in. Nelson family at home, can you hear me? Can you imagine if we began to embody this? Sophia, can you imagine what they'd do in your marriage to just like, hey, not just looking after my brownies, I'm going to is daily going to serve. It's my example, but what a difference it would make in our families. Can you imagine what the difference it would make in your workplace? If you just, if, if Jesus can take the lowest seat, then I know I should be. If Jesus can take off his outer garment, I can lay down my pride to serve the one that's next to me. I may not be ready to clip your toenails, but I can find something to serve you every day, all day. It's a calling of the church. And uh, just later in the text, same chapter, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another just as I've loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another. I, I want to pray in this moment. I want to pray for the person who's going through the religious motions and know you're not clean. I want to pray for the person who Satan's been cultivating selfishness in your life and, and you know in God's presence by this parable of Jesus, by this actual living parable of Jesus, you, you want to crucify that today. And I want to pray for those today who say, I, I just want to follow the example of Jesus. I want my home to be rich with sacrifice and service and the love of God. I want us to be known as a church for our love for one another. It's our heart. Let's pray. 
Father, we love you today and we thank you for this moment in which we get to share in the word of God and come to know you through the word. God, what a picture of who you are, God. For all of us today who have had other pictures of who you are, may we see you in your most humble state, God, prior to the cross, that you would wash our feet. But God, help us to not miss the greatest picture, that it's not just, it's not our feet that you care most about washing, it's about our hearts, it's about our spirit, it's not about religious motion and getting into that, it's about you, God, doing a work inside of us that births forth not only life and hope and happiness and meaning, but births forth evangelism, God, that other lives are changed. God, hope in our family's restoration and our family's healing and our families. God, you are good. This is a picture of that. God, help us to not move past this moment and miss what you're doing in our hearts. In Jesus' holy name. Will you stand with me today? If you're in this place and you say, hey, I, uh, I want to be clean. I want to draw close. I want my family to be a representation of that. There's going to be folks at the crosses who would love to pray with you, who would love to to lean in. If you say, hey, I'm prideful and I'm pushing people away who are trying to help me come pray, this is a great time to say, hey, I need help. If you're online, feel free to comment in prayer. Text Fathom to 97,000 and reach out for prayer. We want to meet you where you're at. Let's worship today. Let's open our hearts to God and let him do what he wants to do today.